Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is a fitness tracker that provides daily insight into your recovery, your strain, and your sleep. You might have seen it on the wrist of Rory as he won the Tour Championship or other Tour players. I had to find out more, so I reached out, got my own band, talked to some of the folks at Whoop, and I was blown away. And then, lucky enough, they wanted to support and sponsor the podcast and let more folks know about it as well. Here are the three things you need to know. There's three metrics, strain, recovery, and sleep. Strain is for those that are looking to track more than just steps. Track how strong you use your day is from start to finish. And this is key, get insight into how much you exert yourself during training. The second one is recovery. That is so you can get daily insight into how ready your body is to perform by looking at some biometrics such as heart rate variability, resting heart rate, and sleep performance. And the last one is sleep. It's all about optimizing the way that you sleep by getting target sleep times based on how strenuous your day was and your performance goals. You can monitor your sleep stages, cycles, time in bed, actual sleep, sleep efficiency, and so much more. And, you know, the best players in the world are paying attention to this, as we found out from the Whoop CEO, Will Ahmed. You know, Justin Thomas was telling me how obsessed he is with sleep. This is a guy who will just get up in the middle of dinner to go to bed if he feels like he's not going to bed at the appropriate time because he knows that he has to get a certain number of hours of sleep in order to feel that recovered, in order to feel, you know, peak on the day of the tournament or, you know, even on the weekends, right? Uh, He was saying that he actually had a green recovery on the Sunday of leading the BMW tournament. I think that's pretty cool, right? You know, normally when you're leading the tournament, you're going to feel an additional level of stress. In his case, it was the opposite because he's figured out ways to to train his body and, and to use Whoop. Definitely check this out and learn more about Whoop. It's W-H-O-O-P dot com. Use the code GSL for 15% off your membership. That is GSL. Definitely go check out Whoop dot com. You are listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast. My name is Cordy Walker, and I'm on a mission to figure out how to improve the way that we learn and get better at golf. I've been able to travel all over the world talking to the leaders in the industry, from instructors to researchers to golfers themselves, learning how they're getting better at golf and what that means for you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. So happy to be here with you. Lots of good stuff here going around in golf science lab world. Um, we have some really cool projects going on behind the scenes. Uh, you might have seen this this thing called Practice Secrets. It's been like a three-year journey. It's coming soon. Just keep your eyes peeled. I'm sure you'll you'll hear about that. Um, they have someone new on the team, so we've been making our way through quite a bit more video from trips from this past year. So there's just a ton of good traction that's going on. I'm so excited to be able to help you all more, hopefully, on this journey to better performance and this journey to always be growing. Um, Today, we are talking with Derek Ingram, great guy, uh, coach up in Canada, and a fascinating conversation because Canada has more players than ever on the PGA Tour right now. And he's been involved with the national team for a really long time. And so I wanted to chat about what are some of the things that he thinks have had the biggest impact on that. Like, why are there more players than ever at this point? So that is what this conversation is about. I am so excited. So many good things going on right now. Um, have a have a baby coming here in the next week or so. So if there's some radio silence, that's uh, 
that's that's where I'm at. Um, hopefully the podcast will continue. We might just take a week off for that, but we will carry on. I'm excited that you're listening. I'm excited you're subscribed and you care about uh, this mission of Golf Science Lab to always be growing, to looking outside the box, to find what's actually working to develop great golfers. Thank you, Derek, for taking the time to sit down with us. Let's get into it. My name's Derek Ingram. I'm the head coach for our national amateur team and young pro squad in Canada on the men's side. Uh, also coach Corey Connors and McKenzie Hughes on the PGA Tour and a uh, huge hockey fan. Yeah, I've been very fortunate to be involved with Sport Canada and Golf Canada for 15 plus years now. Uh, at, at one time as our junior team coach and then as our head coach for our women's side and now back as the head coach for our men's side. And so, um, you know, I travel extensively around the world, uh, really uh, trying to lead and mentor our best young amateur and professional players uh, in conjunction with a lot of, you know, important groups in Canada, provincial golf associations, you know, college coaches in the U.S. who our players might be, you know, uh, playing college at. And obviously the PGA of Canada is in charge of education in Canada. So uh, I travel extensively. Uh, I also I'm on the PGA Tour a little bit with Corey and Mac. Uh, really just trying to be the best coach and leader and mentor that I can to help our players uh, have international results and, and move up the ladder. So here's our goal today is uh, you guys have more players than ever on the PGA Tour right now. And our goal is to kind of dig into the program, the system, the processes, the coaching, the training, like everything that you guys do to develop players and hopefully get some really cool insights and you know tidbits that people can go out and implement and utilize themselves. So I, I mean, take us through, you know, a couple of players. I know you've worked with Corey a lot. Like take us through the story of, of one of your players of like, what does it mean to go through the, the, you know, the team Canada program? Well, I would say, um, you know, Corey's a really, He's a prime example, entered our junior team, became one of the top and best juniors in Canada, actually one of the best juniors in the world, went uh, to Kent State, struggled originally uh, with that college transition for a year or two. And then, you know, as part of our amateur team and working, you know, at, at Kent State, he became one of the top amateur players in the world, would take his game anywhere in the world, uh, literally, and and uh, play in the biggest events in the world and have either win or have top five or 10 or 15 finishes. Uh, so, and then we helped Corey with that transition from amateur golf, high level amateur golf to professional golf. Uh, and, and that really involved a year in the PGA tour, Canada, a year in the, the PGA tour, Latin America, a year on the web.com tour. And then obviously, uh, his rookie year was not, was last year in the PGA tour. And then this unbelievable season this year where he happened to be in the top 30, uh, at the tour championships and a, and a PGA tour winner. And that just really nice ascension, uh, up the world professional rankings. And all the time Corey's had that same structure, a strength and conditioning coach, a physiotherapist, uh, our, our sports psychologist and myself as his, as his coach. You know, there really is, Cordy, no skipping steps or, or uh, jumping, jumping. You can't bypass development. I mean, in the odd case, you get a player like a, 
you know, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, and I'll probably throw a, a Matt Wolf and a Victor Hovland in, in there where they've, you know, they've, they've jumped from college golf to the PGA Tour, but their skill level was so high that, you know, it wasn't like they skipped steps. They're just their, their skill level grew over time to be the, you know, just unreal in college and have the same, the high abilities or skill level to be on the PGA Tour. Corey's case, uh, he was a very good junior player, but short, uh, you know, as, as he matured and, and really fell in love with working out and taking care of his body, he started to develop some more speed. Um, you know, and from a mental game standpoint, you know, Corey was a winner in junior golf and then he developed, you know, then he struggled in college a, a little bit. And I think that was good for him because you had to break through that ceiling and, and learn how to win in college and win the big amateur events and have success as an amateur player. Uh, and you know, Corey got a lot of kicks in the butt before he got into the top, you know, 30 in the world. I mean, he was in the final group in the Canadian amateur, I think four years in a three years in a row and never won it. And those were those were tough years, you know, because uh, that's the one term he really, really wanted to win. But, you know, we used some of the, those experiences of, of failing and, and not, you know, and, and maybe just not getting the result. We wanted to springboard success at the U.S. Amateur. And he had, you know, very good results at the U.S. Amateur quarterfinalist one year and a, and a finalist the, the, the next year, which got him into Augusta. Um, and then even on the pro level, I mean, Corey never really won a tournament as a professional uh, played, you know, in Canada after being, you know, one of the top amateur players in the world for many years, uh, you know, really s struggled as a pro his first year and, and then just found his footing in PGA Tour Latin America, but never won, uh, had a good season in the web.com tour. He's so consistent and then got his PGA Tour card and maybe a little early because we didn't win in the web.com tour, didn't win as a pro, but, you know, got more comfortable on the PGA Tour and, and this, and then did win a tour school. So I guess we can call that one pro win. But then this year got more comfortable uh, with the best players in the world, and then obviously won in San Antonio. And and now is looking for for more. So you work with the guys before they make it, right? Like that's a big chunk of your time. And you've seen, you know, the success and those that don't succeed. Uh, you've seen both. It's just naturally parts of, you know, what happens. Let's maybe talk a bit about some of maybe the, the habits or traits that you see in a guy like Corey in these guys that have continued to grow. Um, what kind of stands out to you when you look at the sample size of all these guys that you've worked with? Um, as some of the traits of those that have succeeded and continued to grow. You know, I look at Corey or McKenzie versus some players that maybe haven't made it yet. Uh, I would say the number one thing that stands out is their habits and routines in their daily life. You know, and uh, I, I know you guys may want a sexier answer in terms of, we got the shaft laid down on the way down a little bit better, or he just happened to rotate and jump through impact a little bit better, and that made all the you know, the biggest difference in the world. And, and yeah, we work hard on, on, you know, their technique and, you know, we work hard in their short game and their putting, but quite frankly, uh, Cordy, the number one reason I would say those guys are where they are is they just have better habits and routines than other players. I'll give you a simple example. If I call Corey Connors at 9.01 in the evening to talk about his round, I won't get an answer or a text message back. There's just, it doesn't matter what day of the week at 9.01, he'll be in bed sleeping. <laughs> and so, uh, and 
you know, sometimes it's earlier. So, you know, his, his sleep habits are, are like an Olympic athlete. They're, they're extraordinary. Um, you know, his workout routine, like this, it's layering good day after good day after good on good week on, on good week on good month on good week over the court or, or good month after the, honestly three, four, five, six, seven, eight years, uh, of, you know, doing very similar things that we know are working. And it doesn't mean we don't put a bullet in some, some drills. I mean, I'll give you a small example. You know, Corey loves, uh, in his putting drills, you know, he loves to do the stuff that makes him comfortable. So he, you know, he'll, he'll spend half an hour in the chalk line, right to left, left to right center, you know, just fine tuning that start line. And he'll, he'll spend, he'll spend a lot of time and he's very comfortable at it. And, you know, I'll be like, you know, Corey, we're not going to get one putt today on the course with a chalk line. So let's get off this for a little bit. And, and yeah, we have to do our maintenance practice. And I think maintenance practices, you know, for start line and, um, you know, faith control and speed control is really important, but we also have to make the game and our practice very similar to what we're going to have on the golf course. And so, you know, I tried to cause, you know, uh, cause them a little way more to be way more uncomfortable in this practice. And do a little bit of that where you can go home and touch home base for five minutes or seven minutes. But I want to I want to challenge you. I want to make it really hard. I want to piss you off and frustrate you in your practice. So then when we get out there in tournaments and we have those same situations, uh, we're going to deal with them a lot better. Let's talk about some of the, you know, habits you're trying to get the the folks on your young pro squad you know that they're not quite there yet you know what are some of the things the key things that you're working on with them to try to get them to level up we're big in stats uh and analyzing their game uh from their stats we use we our team uses shot by shot from peter sanders there's other great programs out there uh, and you know, it's highly individual to the player, Cordy. Some, some guys need to drive the ball better. Other guys need to iron it better. And, and, uh, other guys, you know, need to improve their putting or short game. So it's highly specific to the player. Uh, but I think it's, it's really important to drive the ball and play. That, that's, that's really key. So, um, yeah, as a guy, I'll use Taylor, Taylor Pendrith as a really nice example. Taylor is in the top five in the order of merit in the PGA tour Canada. He's got a ball speed in the 180 to 185 zone, uh, you know, just, just a standard stock shot is, 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 is 182 or 183. Uh, and so with Taylor, we have to get, you know, we have to work on a second serve. So it, it might be a three wood off the tee or, or possibly a two or a three iron. So if it's a narrow course or the rough super long, well, we might drive it and, and wedge it on the green, but we also want to get balls in play. We, and we cannot afford to make, uh, you know, to have penalty strokes. <clears throat> so in, in Taylor's situation, we work a lot on tee ball. Uh, and obviously, you work a lot on wedge game. The courses on the Web.com tour or the K- KFT tour, and even the PGA Tour Canada, they're short, and there's a significant amount uh, of wedge play. And so, I'm always uh, either using a TrackMan flight scope combine, uh, you know, or or Foresight going down and or putting cones on the range, and you know, at, at 40 to 110 yards, or sometimes five yard increments, and having to try play a game I call getting it wrong to get it right, where they're trying to hit it if it's if it's 80 yards, they're trying to hit 179. The next one, 81, and then try and fly at the number 80. Then we move on to the next target. So there's a, a small example of, uh, of you know, some of the stuff will, will grind away on their wedge player or, or their tee ball. So uh, obviously not on PJ Tour. So what do you all use for stats tracking and, and um, 
what do you have found best for, for looking at some of that data? Yeah, we use uh, shot by shot, um, website shot by shot.com. Peter Sanders is, uh, is a developer of that. There's a strokes gained, uh, uh, component to that, you know, there's other excellent stack guys like Lou and, and, uh, certainly Mark Brody, those guys are unreal. Uh, but we've just been in the habit of using, uh, of using shot by shot and, and Peter Sanders has been a great resource for our players and, and me as a coach, uh, because he also works with PGA tour players. And, and so we're, we're obviously we're aware of, we're trying to get better at being themselves. It's, it's really key, uh, to be the best version of yourself, but then we're also in, in you know, looking down the road and what, what's, what kind of skills and habits are going to, what kind of game are we going to need to be successful in the PGA tour? What, uh, what stat do you find yourself looking at the most for players? Is there any, anyone that stands out to you as one that you always find yourself checking and talking to guys about? Yeah, there's two that, that stand out mistakes off the tee. So penalties, straight sideways chip outs, you know, that's number one because it's it's highly unlikely a player can be a great player if he's making mistakes off the tee. You can be short and still and because because every player in the PGA Tour averages under par from the fairway. So if they put in the fairway, every they're good. They're really good. All 200 guys averages under par from the fairway. So uh, obviously being long is key, but if you're long and, and making mistakes off the tee, it's tough to score. And the second thing I look at is, is putts inside of 10 feet, specifically really, really that three to 10 feet, because so few people miss inside of three feet. It's not really a, uh, an area that you're gonna gain a ton of strokes, but from, th- you know, from four feet to 10 feet. Um, you know, Peter would say to me, Derek, the difference between a good putter and a bad putter is somebody between zero and 10 feet. And then the difference between guys who win on tour is the guys from 11 feet to 20 feet. They, they make the most what you classify as birdie putts uh, or, you know, those makeable birdie putts that week. But you can't be a good putter if you're, if you're bad inside of 10 feet, you can be, you can, but you can be, if you're solid inside of 10 feet, you can be a good putter. But the guys who win generally are the best ball strikers who happen to putt well from 10 to 25 or 10 to 20 feet. So if you're looking at my data and saw that I struggled in those two areas, what would be your go-tos for, for helping me improve those, those two data points? Any go-to drills or concepts or anything that you explain uh, on a regular basis? Yeah, first we take a look at your, your you know, if it's, if it's mistakes off the tee, we take a look at your technique and make sure that, you know, uh, make sure you're moving the ball. If you're, if you're a guy who moves it one way or the other way consistently, we make sure your, your uh, ball flight is repeatable. Uh, and you know, I, I love, uh, I mean a simple drill. I like if a guy I'll put an alignment stick on the target line up in front of the, the, you know, in front of the T ball, maybe 15 feet and I'll have them, if they're working cuts, I'll have them start at left and, and just work a cut to the target line or, or the opposite, uh, with a draw, uh, and maybe a situation they're they're being too aggressive off the tee, and it might be more three woods or two irons off the, or hybrids off the tee. Uh, and so there could be something in their technique that really stands out. It could be they're being too aggressive. Uh, in some cases, maybe they're not being aggressive enough and taking advantage of their of their uh, their distance uh, on the tee ball or on the putting. Um, I first we're going to make sure they've got the correct face control. Uh, so some start line maintenance drills. Uh, with gates is, uh, you know, is probably really important because honestly, that's, that's one of the biggest things inside of 10 feet, you know, is it's start line and then 
then green reading, and we teach all our guys aim point. Um, some some use it, some just use the principles to be a better green reader. And then obviously, uh, obviously speed control. So, uh, what am I? What do I? What am I? Cut my favorite drills there. Uh, I'll have them uh, hit putts from uh, three, four, and five feet in a north, south, east, west. So there's twelve putts there. Uh, Got to make 12, 12 out of twelve. If the greens are good, if the greens are brutal, uh, maybe eleven out of twelve. Uh, simple, simple drill inside of five feet. I do another drill uh, nine to eleven where we take them around the green. I'm with them. Uh, I'll, I'll pick the putt. So it's never the same break. It's never the same putt, often never the same length. So they're always having to practice reading the green, you know, and then trying to make a putt between nine and 11 feet. Uh, and you get two points for a make and you get zero points for a two putt. Uh, no, no leaving it short. And so what's good there, you know, if you can get uh, nine to 11 feet, if you can make, if you can get 10 points with 10 putts, it's good putting really good you know guys like mark brody who you know who've have like just opened up the can on on stats and made us aware of where pga tour players are gaining the most amount and you know you know has been great for a coach like myself and our players uh, a long player uh, I'm not overly concerned some, about fairways because unless they're playing the PGA Tour, where the rough is significant in some in, on some courses. You know, it's it's t- I, I use the word tee balls in play. Uh, you know, and and so if you can get the if they're super long and they can get the ball in play, then they're going to have shorter irons in and possibly wedges and sand wedges from the rough. It's still scorable, and then when they do hit the fairway, it's it's almost like cheating. But for shorter players or you know medium length players. You know, they don't have the speed to, to get it down possibly to pitching wedge, nine iron, sand wedge. And so now all of a sudden they're getting, you know, six iron, seven iron, possibly five iron from the rough. It's tough to score from there. So they really have to hit fairways. They really got to get the ball in play because they can, if they have the ball in the short stuff, they can be extremely good with a six, five, seven iron uh, out of the fairway. And uh, compared to a guy who's hitting maybe nine iron from the rough. And Peter had this cool stat a few years ago he shared with me that, you know, you can give up 50 yards off the tee in terms of proximity to the hole on your second shot from the fairway versus the rough. Isn't that amazing? Like, and I was like, 50 yards, Peter? And yeah, and that was a few years ago, but he'd worked it out on tour that, yeah. So a guy drives it 50 yards further in the rough versus a person who's 50 yards shorter, they're going to have the exact same, roughly, proximity to the hole on their on their approach shot. What about uh, working on golf swing, working on on technique? Have there been any trends that you've seen um, as you've worked with these guys, um, you know, on on the teams that you do? Yeah. uh, (coughs) Any kind of overarching, you know, I don't know, like you use a lot of body track, obviously. So are you using a lot of, you know, kind of that feedback or, you know, anything stand out? Well, now I think we just have so much more information that we used to have uh, than we than we used to have, and so I love I love gathering all that information. I'm a guy who loves to get them on the body track, who you know wants to see their track matter, their radar numbers, or their you know their foresight. Uh, I love using I use KVEST, uh, you know three uh, the the AMM obviously system is brilliant. It was great, but uh, you know I use KVEST. Uh, 
what else do we use? I mean, it was uh, a bunch of a plethora of stuff for putting. Um, but, you know, I found that ground usage has really made a big difference in some players. And I'll use Corey as a, as a quick example. You know, Corey's always had great hands. He's a bit of a handle puller, so he gets a little bit steep sometimes in transition, and then he has to stop and, and flip. But he's got great hands and great timing, and he hits it flush every time. But, uh, you know, I noticed that uh, just from using the body track that he would, he would shift into his back leg early, uh, pressure into the back leg or trail, I guess I should say, early. But then as the arms got to get, you know, to like the three quarter position or even a little bit further, he started to get loaded a fair amount on his front leg early in the, sometimes earlier in the backswing. And so then in the downswing, he would have to shift back uh, to the trail foot and when hitting. And that, you know, really caused a fair amount of, you know, rotation in the hitting area and, you know, some thin shots, some overhooks, some shots that started way too far right. And so, you know, with the body track, that was one thing that we, you know, we tried to get that pressure back so that he can get the pressure through. And a simple thing like trying to get pressure back and pressure through, pressure back in the backswing and pressure through in the in the downswing made a gigantic impact on his ball hitting. Like just such a huge difference. And before, you know, I, I'd looked at that swing in video and I you know, had some pretty good 3D stuff, but I, I honestly, I didn't, I didn't notice it. So that's a pretty good example there. Like he's so much better, so much a better ball striker and so consistent and hits it so much further with less effort. Uh, and, and that tool was really useful for us. You know, one thing that really made a big difference in Canada to, was, was having heroes or having somebody that, that can do it. And, you know, a long time ago, Mike Weir, I mean, at one time we had one or two, maybe three players in the PGA Tour. And, and often we, for a lot of years, we had one. Uh, but having having heroes who could, they could look up to and say, wow, you know, Mike Weir won the, uh, the Masters in 2003. He was a former number three or four player in the world. You know, he's got eight PGA Tour wins, maybe nine. Uh, you know, you know, creating heroes and having uh, guys to look up to, that's, that's been really important for our program. Now guys go, hey, I can do that as well. And, and there's strength in numbers. You know, when you have one or two players in the PGA Tour, you're not going to get many wins uh, on the PGA Tour. But when you have, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, we always have some guys playing well. So younger players, amateur players, junior players in Canada are always looking at the PGA Tour, the LPGA Tour in, in Brooks' case and other uh, players in the LPGA Tour and going, hey, geez, I can do that as well. I'd say another thing that's been kind of cool that we've been, been able to do is we've had players like Corey and Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin, you know, Mackenzie Hughes. They've come back and they, they come to our series of training camps and they train and practice with the guys. That's been really cool as well because they can say, oh, wow, I mean, I can't believe how far away I am this from this guy. I'll never beat him. Or they can look and go, geez, you know, I'm really not that far away. You know, my game stacks up reasonably well. Um, you know, I can do this as well, given the right time and effort that's that's obviously required. And, 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 and again, being able to talk to those guys about what they do and how they how they work in their game, I think, has really been uh, useful. So I would say those are two really nice components for our program. Hey. 
Hey, thank you so much to Derek for taking the time to chat with us and go behind the scenes on what he's seen work uh, for the players in Canada and what some of the biggest changes have been. Uh, you know, so many of their players are just doing really well, making those jumps from tour to tour and succeeding at the highest level. It's awesome to see and it's great to hear about. If you enjoyed this, uh, the unedited version of this episode will be coming out so you can uh, listen to our whole conversation. This is probably about um, half uh, half to um, a couple thirds of the conversation. So there's more. If you want to go behind the scenes, you like that kind of stuff, make sure to subscribe in the podcast, Apple Cup Podcast, Spotify. Stay tuned for that and so much more to come. I appreciate you listening. Thank you for being a part of this Golf Science Lab mission. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker at Golf Science Lab. This was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Publish Productions.